You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Well, good evening, Dorothy. How are we doing? We're doing very well. How are you doing, David? Sorry, Dorothy, I caught you off guard. <laughs> you can go back <laughs> on mute. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get rolling with this kind of quick and keeping in, in line with our new, uh, our new short intro. We're going to hop right into this week's topic, which is going to be um, um, <clears throat> the God of Peace uh, versus World War III. And, that, and what does that mean? Um, uh, for those of you that have been tuning in for a while now, you know that the last thing that uh, that David Murray is is an alarmist. Um, I'm just not. There's nothing to be alarmed about in the kingdom, uh, no matter what's going on. And that's going to be kind of the focus on, well, how does that fit into um, the prophecies of Matthew 24? And how do we combine, the, the, for those of you who aren't familiar with the prophecies of, of Matthew 24, I'm going to be reading it to, uh, to you guys. And then I'm going to be talking about the God of peace. And basically three things we're going to be talking about. What exactly is peace? Why in the body of Christ today is there so little peace in the body of Christ? And how do we begin to transition to moving in peace, especially in in the midst of um, so many troubling things that we hear and that are being spoken around the body of Christ and that are going on in in the world? Um, I'm super excited about this because it's a a passion of mine that's on my heart. It's um, living the kingdom living um, peace, walking out your, your your walk, your life, our existence, submersed in the reality of the peace of Christ. And um, what I, I think a lot of us may not realize that peace isn't an emotion. Peace is a, peace is a state of being. Um, Webster's, I mean, there's many definitions you can get, but, but, but we'll, we'll, I'm going to combine Webster's and then look at it with the Greek. The definition of peace means to be at rest. The Greek word means wholeness. It is possessing the wholeness of God. That's what peace is. We think of peace as not an emotional state of being. It is, a, um, it is not an emotional condition. It is a spiritual state of being. It is being in a state of wholeness. That wholeness comes from being connected to God on every level, every facet we engage the kingdom. There's no stress or strife in God's spirit realm. In the realm of the kingdom, there is no strife. The only strife that took place was at the rebellion of Satan where the dumber third of the angels followed Lucifer to overthrow God. That was removed from the kingdom. When God took his nature, his glory, his essence from the fallen angels. The only thing that remained was the nature that was no longer a part of God, which was their sin, the part of them that became corrupt. So when God took his nature, we know that nothing can exist in the kingdom that's apart from his nature. That's why Satan fell. That's why they were thrown to the earth, because they lost their nature of God. They lost the peace of God. They lost the wholeness of God. And when that happened, they were removed from the holiness of God. And we're going to be talking about that today. So what is peace? Uh, To reiterate, it means to be at rest. The Greek word for wholeness that we're going to be talking about in Matthew 24, chapter 1, is the wholeness of God. So I'm going to start reading chapter Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him uh, and saw the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not all see these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another. There shall not be one that is not thrown down. 
Verse 3, he sat on the mountain of the olives. The disciples came to him in private, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So Jesus is giving a, a, a prophetic word. Let's remember, guys, what prophecy is. We've mystified it. Uh, we've, we've, well, I was going to say we spiritualize it. It is of spirit. It is of God's kingdom, true prophecy. It is not, um, it's not meant to be this, weird mystical experience. Prophecy in its purest, simplest form is the mind of God revealed. It is the mind, heart, will, and intention of the Lord revealed. When, when the mind of God and the heart of God is revealed, when he shows us things that already have taken place and he shows us what his heart and mind was in something, that's called prophetic hindsight. When he's showing us what is going on right now, it's prophetic insight. When the Lord speaks to us and begins giving us understanding into his heart and mind and will in the days to come, and he shows us what his blueprint is, that's called prophetic foresight. When he shows us how he wants us to interact from his kingdom so that the will of the Father is to take place on the earth and he shows us what he wants to do right now and how those things click into place, that's prophetic oversight. There's, there's nothing mystical about it. We are all meant to walk in this. Those that are called to serve in the function of the office, you know, interchangeable words that we use, you know, Ephesians 4, those that are called to serve as prophets are not called to be this old covenant hybrid in which we go to these people for all our answers. Prophets are particularly gifted with the initial ability to be able to get insight, oversight, and foresight, and hindsight into what God wants to do. And as someone who develops their relationship and their walk with the Lord continues to cultivate an intimacy, continues to learn and draw upon and grow in the mind of Christ, continues to renounce the thoughts that are contrary to the nature of God, as that person begins to grow up to the full stature of Jesus Christ, begins to come up into full maturity, which Hebrews um, 4.12 defines as someone who understands righteousness. As that person begins to move into that more and more, they're able to more purely not only share the heart and mind of God to the body of Christ and to the lost, they are meant to teach the body of Christ how to also learn to grow in those things. The five areas of ministry that we often talk about, um, apostle, prophet, um, evangelist, and pastor, teacher, those areas are not areas where we're meant to go to them so that we can just get all our answers because those people are particularly gifted in those areas. What is supposed to take place is all the gifts that take place in the body of Christ. I'm, I'm rabbit trailing here just a little bit, but it's worth repeating because it's an area, it's a main area in the body of Christ that we must begin to understand his heart in if we're going to grow up in the full stature of Jesus Christ. The areas in which we have a particular gifting, and gifting is something we haven't had to work at, by definition. It's a gift. Okay, it's, it's a gift. Um, when we have an area that we don't particularly have to work at, the gift doesn't have to be worked on. It's that we ourselves grow in our maturity with the Lord. And as we do that, we are able to take that gift and teach others how to move in that aspect of the kingdom. The gift is something that comes natural that as we learn about the Lord, his principles, his nature, his heart, the kingdom, then we teach others how to exercise their spiritual muscles so that they grow and can work at those things themselves. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit, uh, dovetail a little bit, but I want to just, because I'm sharing about prophecy, the prophecy of Jesus, what is Jesus doing? He is revealing the heart of the Father. He's revealing the will and the intent and hidden things to come that are revealed and known in the spirit realm, in the realm of his heavenly Father. That's prophecy. That's all it is, guys. That's, that's simple stuff. And we are all meant to prophesy. We are all meant to move in all the gifts. For some of us, they come naturally because we're gifted in them. We're meant to use those things to learn how they function as we're ministering and serving one another. We grow in them. We begin to understand them better. God usually begins teaching us. Um, and then we share those things so that other members, the body of Christ, whoever feels led or wants to grasp a hold of them for themselves, 
can do so because there are people that can teach on that. That's the way the body of Christ, one of the ways it's meant to function. Okay, so prophecy. So uh, here's what's going on. Jesus is saying that the temple is going to be destroyed, and the uh, the disciples come to him in private and say, Lord, you know, what's going on? Paraphrasing here. Tell us what's up. What are some of the signs of your coming? What's some of the signs of the end of the age? Verse 4, Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no one will deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Or the key word there, see you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine, pestilence, earthquakes, in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. There will be false that will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, Again, Jesus is sharing a piece of the heart of the Father and the heart, of the, the heart and mind of the Father. He was imparting some things of the kingdom that would manifest in certain ways into the natural realm. In this hour, we are hearing a lot about certain prophecies. We're hearing a lot of, a lot of uh, teaching and a lot of legitimate insights into some of the heart of the Lord regarding Matthew 24. We hear a lot of teachings on wars, impending wars, um, collapse, persecution, earthquakes, famine. We hear about all the stuff of of Matthew 24, um, verses 4 through 14. We're hearing a lot of the meat of that. What we're not hearing about, there are two things that really are not being shared. Of this section that Jesus is talking about, verse 6 is being ignored, and verse 14 is being ignored. And what is verse 6 and verse 14? Jesus starts saying, do not be troubled. Okay? He ends it with saying, the gospel must be preached. In between those two things, he describes the manifestations, the spiritual activity in the spirit realm, is going to play out into the natural realm. Remember, everything that takes place, guys, starts in the spiritual realm. It manifests in the natural realm, not the other way around. So Jesus said, number one, do not be troubled. In other words, do not lose your peace. Do not lose your wholeness to God. And he ends it with saying, the gospel must be preached to all the nations as a witness. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Many translations will translate um, the verse 6, do not be troubled, do not be alarmed. Their actual Greek word there, whatever, however it translates, agitated. Very opposite of peace. Agitation. Jesus says, do not be agitated. In verse 14, he says, the gospel will be preached to the whole world. Guys, here's something that the church, many of us have lost sight of. The word gospel means good news. The good news will be preached to the ends of the earth. See, what a lot of times what we forget, guys, is the heart of the Father. We, we need to step back and see God's eternal redemption plan. When we read the scriptures, in any portion of the scripture, we need to read the redemptive plan. We need to understand that everything that's gone on from the Garden of Eden up through Revelation is about redemption. Everything that takes place is meant to reconcile as many of God's lost children as will receive, hear and receive the good news. The good news is that the Father reconciled his lost children back to himself through the atonement offered on the cross if they would receive it for themselves. That's the good news. The good news is we've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.21, For once you were alienated from God 
and enemies in your mind because of your wicked behavior. But now he has reconciled you, past tense, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And the rest of that verse, which is very seldom quoted, verse 23, if you remain in the faith, not moved from the hope of confidence you have, meaning if you do not forfeit your confident expectation of what's to come. Okay, the good news is that we've been reconciled back to God. The gift has been given. We have to personally receive it. That good news is to be preached to the entire world because the heart of the Father is, I want all my children back. And there is no love, there's no true love without free choice. And the Father gives all of us the choice to love him. And that's the good news. So Jesus starts off in verse 4, don't be alarmed. Do not lose your peace. Do not be agitated at the things I'm about to share with you. Do not be agitated. And at the very end, the gospel must be preached to all the nations as a witness. And then the end shall come. One of the things that I think we forget, and this wasn't even on here, um, it wasn't on my notes, but it just popped up. Let's step back a little bit and just get some eternal perspective. We're talking about peace and why it is that, that we don't possess it, okay? I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to flip over to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, verse 13. Uh, this is just the announcement, the proclamation. The spirit realm is getting ready to rend open. And from the spirit realm, the angels are announcing into the carnal realm, the physical realm, that Jesus is being born. Okay, they're getting ready to announce it into the physical realm. And everything that starts, starts in the spiritual realm. It manifests in the physical realm. And these are the shepherds that were out. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Um, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk more about that. But I want, to, I want us to just, just put that, tuck that way in the back of your head. We'll talk about that more. Goodwill toward men. Okay. So why is it in this hour that so few of us are speaking only of the wars and calamities of World War III and the, the earthquakes and all of the judgments to come. And yet how often are we speaking on the first portion of that about peace and not to be agitated, not to lose your wholeness with God, definition of peace. And how come we're not talking about the gospel being shared to the lost? Why is it that you turn on a podcast, you turn to the latest YouTube channel, you click on a lot of people around, now that the media, there's so much chance for the body of Christ to openly share. There's more platforms than ever before in social media for any member in the body of Christ who chooses to have a voice, because we're always meant to have a voice. That's what fellowship is for, to come together seeking Christ, and every one of us has unctions by the Holy Spirit as we seek intimacy with him. More than ever, we have that ability. We have that platform. Of all that's going forth, of all that we're sharing, we hear fear, we hear wars, we hear rumors of wars, we discuss World War III. It went from China, now it's back to Russia, Middle East, nuclear war, fear, uncertainty, calamity. What do we, what do, we do about it? Um, there's no peace. The body of Christ has lost, by and large, our peace in this hour. Without peace, without being able to rest in the admonishment of Jesus in verse 4, do not be agitated, do not lose your wholeness, it is impossible to share the good news. I'll say it another way. There is no gospel without peace. Jesus is our peace. Many of us are not possessing the peace of Christ in this hour. Without peace, you cannot share good news because we are not possessing it inside of ourselves. That's why so few in the body of Christ in this hour care to share the gospel. We forgot what the gospel means. We've lost sight of the Father's heart. 
at the Father's heart, all of this was about is reconciliation. Now, am I saying that there's not discipline, judgment, pruning? Absolutely not. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. But we need to understand where and how discipline comes, pruning comes, chastisement comes, judgment comes, and what is behind it. God is not schizophrenic. He is love. So anything that we read about isn't that we toss out love or our perception of love, and it's not we don't toss out discipline or discipleship or, excuse me, uh, pruning or chastisement or judgment. We don't toss out those things because God is love. Every single thing in the Bible is filtered through his nature, which is two things. One, God is love, and two, God is good. Now, we say these things, we quote these things, we say God is good all the time, all the time God is good. We say God is love. But the degree that we truly are believing it in our soul is determined by how we think, what's on our heart, what's motivating us. That's where we really need to take a spiritual inventory. If we don't possess the peace of Christ, we can't discuss it, much less share it with the lost. The reason why so few are talking or discussing the peace of God or the gospel, we're only focusing on World War III or the latest huge United States ending disaster is because we don't have the peace of Christ and we can't give what we don't possess. The result is that there's so few in the body that are even attempting to share the good news. We're sharing a perverted, fear-filled gospel. The good news is not that we are afraid. The good news is that Jesus died to reconcile the lost back to the Father. Every one of us needed reconciliation. Every one of us at some point received the good news. Nowhere are we told anywhere in Scripture to stop passing on the good news. We are his witness, guys. We testify of his goodness. A lot of people say, oh, we're we're a witness to the world. That's right. We stand and we get to judge them. You've completely perverted that. That is a completely hardened, judgmental thinking and mindset that's saying that. What are we witnesses to? We're witnesses to the goodness of God. We are witnesses to the peace of Christ that's obtained only by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's what we are witnesses to. That's why we're meant to go to the lost and say, see what you don't have? Look, look at me. Look at me. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I have the God of peace inside of me that moves out of me. I've been reconciled. I am not agitated. I am not troubled all these calamities, I am at rest. I am whole with my Heavenly Father. Why? Because I have the good news. I have the gospel. I've been reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm loved. Let me share with you what I have. What's been freely given, let me share it to you. Guys, that's the fulfillment of Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14. So, we understand a little bit what peace is. Why don't we possess it? Well, let's get into that. Why don't we possess it? The answer really, one of the answers is found in Philippians 4.7. Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's break this down a little bit. The wholeness or completeness, the rest of our Heavenly Father, will guard our soul. That's what Philippians 4, 7 is saying. The peace of God. What is peace? It's wholeness. It's rest. It's the wholeness of God. That completeness, that rest, the rest of our Heavenly Father will guard our soul. Our soul is what we think, what we feel, and what we do. That's the word there, and you look up the original Greek, and Philippians 4, 7 will guard your heart and guard your mind. Paul is taking time to really dig into the aspects of the soul. It means your inner man and your inner being, your thinking. I'm not talking about your, our spirit. Our spirit's already at rest. Our spirit's where we've been born again. We've been born again in our spirits. We're in union to Christ. We're in union to the kingdom 24-7 in our spirit man. A lot of times we just don't perceive it. 
because our soul, which is meant to serve our spirit man and take our marching orders from our spirit man, from who we are, our soul has kicked up. It doesn't bend to the, to, to the heart and mind of God because of our own hurts, our own wounds, our own upbringing that, that has contradicted the love and nature of God. And when that happens, we don't possess the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It is the peace of God that we have inside of us that will guard our hearts and minds. This is a promise that was given to us, guys. It will guard our heart and mind. So if we are not experiencing this promise, it means we are not in Christ Jesus. Now, please hear me. I am not talking about salvation. Please remember, everything is in context, guys. We're not in Christ Jesus in this passage. What I'm referring to is being in violation to an aspect of the kingdom of the Father. We are either abiding in the kingdom or we're not. Now, I'm talking about salvation. We're abiding in the kingdom in terms of salvation always. We don't gain and lose and gain or lose and gain or lose our salvation. Okay, what I'm talking about is our soul, our mind and our will, our thinking. Either we're thinking according to the kingdom, feeling, experiencing, resting according to the kingdom. We are in Christ. We are in union with him or we are not. Wherever we're not experiencing a kingdom birthright that's been given to us, it means we're violating a principle of his kingdom. Usually we're outright contending with him on an area that we're not even consciously recognizing. We do not possess what is ours because if we choose not to agree with what his kingdom says in an area of our walk, we're not, we're not going to be resting in that kingdom reality in our life. This will always distill down to our soul. What we think, what we feel, what we believe, what we choose to do, either is going to agree or disagree with our Heavenly Dad's word, written word. And the written word will always be confirmed uh, by itself. And whenever he speaks to our hearts, he will always speak according to his written word. He'll never be in contradiction. So to reiterate that a little bit again, why don't we possess the peace of Christ? Because our hearts and minds are not guarded in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we are not walking in agreement with the mind of Christ, we cannot walk with peace in that area. We will substitute for a counterfeit peace. We will begin to draw upon things that bring us temporal, carnal peace and comfort. It's a counterfeit. The peace of Christ comes only as we are drawing to the mind of Christ. And in order to do that, we have to be thinking, seeing, feeling, believing, choosing to act upon, choosing to accept that God's word is true. And everything, no matter what we read, is filtered through God is love. He's not schizophrenic, guys. He's not a loving God now in the Gospels, uh, semi-loving God in the Epistles, and an angry God in Revelation, an angry God in Daniel, and it's an angry God in the Old Covenant. Because he's the same God. He doesn't violate his nature. His nature is unchanging. Right? The scriptures tell us that. Right? There's no variance, no shadow of turning in, 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 in God. So how do we begin to walk in this? How do we remain in Christ? What does that mean exactly? John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The word of God says we commune in spirit and in truth. If our spirit man communes with Jesus and Jesus' words are remaining in our soul, we will apprehend all the things of the kingdom, including peace. The answer to walking, abiding, living in perfect peace is for our soul, meaning our thinking, our beliefs, our actions, our emotions. Every aspect of our mind, will, and emotions, that's our soul, must come into alignment with the King of Peace. Our spirit knows Christ. 
but our soul does not in any area that we are not living the kingdom life. So said another way, any area we're not experiencing in this context peace means we have to examine what area of our thinking, our feeling, our believing, our thought process, our belief system is in violation to God's word, because it is. Because the word promises he will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on Christ. And he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's something to, to, to think on, guys. The fruits of the Spirit flow from our spirit out through our soul that is yielded to God's kingdom. That's how fruits, the fruits of the Spirit come. We've, can, we've, we've mixed a lot of this up. There's a difference between fruits and gifts. The fruit of the Spirit is the kingdom life of God. It flows from our spirit, man, out through the gateway of our soul, out into our thinking, out into our belief system, out into the way we perceive the world. The entire lens of our existence is meant to come through what our spirit man is speaking, renewing our belief system, renewing our minds. That what produces then is the fruit of God's kingdom or the fruit of the spirit, Holy Spirit. John 15.5 states, if you remain in Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. It's talking about the soul remaining in Christ. Remember, guys, the soul is the gatekeeper. The soul is what determines what areas of the Holy Spirit that's in constant union with our spirit man that's been born again, what of those areas it allows to flow out of our spirit man and pass through our soul. The soul is the gatekeeper. Our beliefs determine what areas of the spirit realm are going, we are going to yield to and what areas we are going to reject. Romans 12.2 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's talking to spirit-filled believers. The spirit is already transformed. Our spirit man does not need to be transformed. That's what salvation does. The spirit is transformed through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Our minds are transformed as it's renewed in the image of God. That has to do with our thinking. That's our soul being renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what does this says the fruits are? The fruit of this, the fruit of the Spirit. First three is love, joy, and peace. As that's not conditional. There is no calamity that should come upon us that robs us of the fruit of the Spirit. If it is, it means our soul has turned off the spigot. Our soul has drawn something else. It has shut down the Holy Spirit in us. It has shut down communion with our spirit man. It has shut down that gateway, that doorway, that opening to flow. The Bible says, from deep within our bellies shall flow rivers of life. Anytime we're experiencing stress, strife, and we're holding on to it, it means we have turned from God to something else as our source for our belief, for identity, for our thinking, for our answers. There's a huge difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, guys. Gifts are given to us, and they may function apart from one's character. Fruits cannot do that. Fruit can only exist where the soul has been transformed by renewing our thoughts and beliefs to come into alignment with the nature of God. In order for that to happen, our soul must accept what God's word says, which means we must begin to know it. And once we read it, we need to begin choosing to apprehend it. We must choose to say our thinking, okay, God, your word says I am holy, I am blameless, You are the God of peace. I have you inside me. I have the living peace inside me. I choose to accept that. That is the soul being transformed. That's the soul meditating, confessing scriptures to come into alignment with what our spirit man, which is who we really are, already knows. Because our spirit man is in constant union with the Holy Spirit. And we've made it out to be such a difficult strained walk. It's not because we really haven't been taught. Our soul gets to decide. Say, well, I know God's word says this, but I'm just feeling so anxious. What we're really saying is I know 
what God's word says. I'm not going to allow that life to permeate out into my soul. I'm going to reject it. I'm going to choose to hold on to something else. No, you can't serve two masters. Kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. These, these principles of yielding the soul, of sowing to the kingdom, are all throughout the Bible. We just have to step back and just look at them and realize this is simple. This is our soul has to choose to accept what God's word says. Does he say he'll never forsake us, never leave us? Does he say nothing that shall separate us from the love of God? And we need to begin drawing upon that and saying, I choose to believe this, even if the pain and the wounds are such that that carnal mind is speaking to me lies that make it difficult for me to understand. We sow to the Spirit, Galatians 6, 8. If we sow to the Spirit, we will reap the eternal life of the Spirit. Again, talking to spiritual beliefs, not talking about salvation. Talking about renewing our soul. So where do we start? Understand that gifts can operate around our dark and carnal mindset. Fruits can only operate through a kingdom mindset. That's why we have many people that have tremendous gifts, and we call them false Christians. They're not false Christians. They're operating in their gifts, which can operate apart from a person's character. Gifts are just that. They are given, and they work independent of our soul. They work independent of our sanctification. Fruits can only operate through a kingdom mindset, which means fruits can only operate through a renewed mind. That's often too much of a dovetail, but that's why there's body crisis so divided so much with our president-elect because they, they, are, they misconstrue gifts of the Spirit with fruits of the Spirit. Donald Trump has been given a gift. The gift is what he's called to do in the nation this hour. The gift, his call, is independent of his character. It has nothing to do with character. Gifts are freely given. Fruit is grown by sowing to the Spirit. And we need to apprehend, understand, and walk in, in both of them. We need all of them. But the greater of them is fruit, because that is the nature of the kingdom revealed through us out to those around us. That is becoming into the, the righteousness of Christ, not positionally, but relationally, how we choose to live. We're seen in Father's eyes as holy and blameless. How we live is what we choose to draw to. So where do we start? We alluded a little bit earlier on. We're talking about three things. What is peace? possess it because we're not drawing to the kingdom of God with inside of us. We're choosing to have our souls hold on to thoughts and beliefs that are contrary to his nature. What we need to do is walk in it. How do we walk in it? It means to remain in Christ. John fifteen seven gives us the key. If my words remain in you, you shall ask whatever you will and be given to you. Because if we are in Christ, if, our, if the words of God are in us, that means whatever is passing through us, what's passing through our souls, is kingdom life. And whenever we're in agreement with the kingdom, whatever we're asking for has already been decided in the throne room. That's why Jesus said, here's, I'm going to teach you how to pray, Lord, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning when our mindset conforms to the mind of God, we are praying to come to pass what's on Father's heart. That's why Jesus said, I'm only doing what I see my Father doing. What I see my Father doing. So let's go back to where I want to talk about in Luke a little bit. In Luke, I think it was Luke 3. Let's get into this a little bit. Talking about the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Luke 2, the company of angels uh, announcing to the shepherds, hey, you, uh, unto you this day was born the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in the angel. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill toward men. Let's break that down a little bit. Jesus is, 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 a, is about to be born on the earth or was just born, right? We're still under the, the promise given to the nation of Israel, which is meant to be a light 
in the midst of a demonic infested world, right? That there's, there's darkness, there's no light, people living in the land of the shadow of death. All these things are culminating. What's culminating? The redemption of mankind is about ready to take place. Jesus is ready to leave the spirit realm. He's going to be born. He's going to enter the natural realm. Everything that starts in the spirit ends in the natural. The redemptive plan, which was birthed in the spirit realm, in the throne of God, in the mind of God, is being brought forth to the earth now. And as being brought forth, they announce three things. God gets all the glory. That's number one. He's the one true God. He gets, he gets the glory for everything. There are none beside him. There's none that are thought to be gods that are gods. He gets all the glory. The second is that God, and this is just so amazing, God is extending his peace to a lost and dying and sin-filled world. The world is lost. I mean, picture the scenario. There is no new covenant. There is no Holy Spirit on the earth. There is no Jesus on the cross. We're under, we're under, the Jews have rejected the covenant of God. They're under Roman law. They're under martial law by foreign invaders. They're living in the land of the shadow of death. And in the midst of sin and self-righteousness and perversion and polygamy and monotheism and Greek gods and deities and Roman, every Roman pagan religion, in the midst of all the dead and sin in the world, the angels announced the heart of the Father, peace, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And the Greek is even more powerful. In the Greek word it says, in whom God's favor rests. Well, that'll blow some of our theology, right? How could God have favor on a sinful world? Because he loves those guys. It's not complicated. It's because he loves us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves you. Not because of what you do or how you pray or how much you try to be a good Christian or anything you have on a self-created checklist. He announced to a world devoid of life living in sin, a land living in darkness, completely enveloped by the God of this world that had completely rejected God. He announces the thought and mind of God rends, it tears through the spirit realm. The heart of the Father tears through the realm of the spirit and is announced into the carnal realm. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God, we can meditate on that forever. That's point number two. Peace to the lost and dying world. And three, he's pleased with his children. Children, by the way, guys, that are steeped in sin and that we're deserving of death. The scriptures say we deserve death. He's sending his son into a sin-steeped world deserving of death where there's no righteousness, no one holy, no one that seeks him. Why? Because he loves you. He loved you in his rags, and he didn't stop loving us any more. He doesn't love us any less now that we've been reconciled if we sin. He doesn't turn his love on and off like our mom or our dad or our aunt or our uncle or our pastor or preacher or priest or role model or anyone else on this world that has contended with the nature of God. So, the answer, guys, is get to know the King of Peace. Get to know the God who is good and the God who is love. Remember, everything is conscious. Does that mean God likes sin? If he likes sin, he wouldn't have minded Satan staying in heaven, Right? If you like sin, he will be no need for, for a redeemer to come to reconcile us to himself and his holiness. This isn't about sin. This is about knowing your dad. Because it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is not the fear of God that leads us to repentance. 
Now, I know the scriptures, is, some of us would say the, beginning, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, but it's the goodness of God that leads us to intimacy with him. It's a revelation of goodness. Fear will never drive us to intimacy. Fear will drive us to perform. That's law. And the Bible says that law produces death. The law of love, which produces life, only takes place as we are transformed into his image. As we're transformed into his image, the law of love begins being grown out of our soul and we release that to a dying world around us. We begin to replicate the goodness of God. We begin to replicate the earth ministry of Jesus Christ. Guys, no matter what wars are going on, no matter how much your neighbor is steeped in sin, we need to get back to the gospel. The reason why Jesus didn't come down and announce, hey, everybody, hi, I'm here to die for your sins. Here's what we're going to do. Okay? Next day, you guys are going to nail me to a cross. I'm going to willingly put myself on a cross. You guys have to kill me so that I can redeem myself, redeem all of you back to myself. And he could have done that, gone down, popped up into heaven, and been there. He spent three and a half years on the earth. Why did he spend so much time on the earth? He didn't need to. It's because he was showing us the Father. Jesus' life walk was so that we would have a blueprint of what is invisible to us. So that as we begin to draw upon that, see it, form it, our soul becomes renewed. We begin meditating on his goodness. And we become transformed in our thinking. And what happens, guys, is then we begin seeing the Father. Then we begin moving in realms of the kingdom. Then theology isn't what we live by. The theology is a, is a platform that keeps us safe and guarded while we walk in the realms of the kingdom. There's a reason why we spend more time reading the Old Testament, Prophets of Judgment, there's a reason why you click on any channel, it's talking about fear and death and anger and judgment. And there's no peace in it and there's no good news because we don't understand it very well. And it makes us feel good about ourselves because we don't understand how much God already sees us as good. We just have to swap one belief system for another. Spend some time just in the Gospels. You want a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Just read about the goodness of the Father seen through Jesus' earth ministry. Spend some time. If we're spending more time in the rest of the Bible and the gospel, we, we may consider we might be out a little bit of balance, especially if our life is devoid of peace or if our peace comes and goes. Chances are it's a pretty good pretty good chance it could be a counterfeit piece that we're making ourselves comforted by things that we do or things that others do for us rather than drawing what's inside of us that is accessed when our soul opens up and receives the truth of God that's in our spirit man. The word says there's no fear where love is perfected and it's the goodness of the God that leads us to change our lifestyle and seek deeper union with him. Look at 1 John 4.18 and Romans 2.4. Get a picture of that truth. So what does this look like in, in practice, rounding this all out? Um, it's pretty easy, guys. None of this stuff is complicated. It, it takes a decision. It's work. It's work, but it's not complicated. We begin taking inventory of our thoughts. Ask yourself, where does this thought fit into the goodness of God that he has over me? Where does this thought fit into how God sees me? What am I really believing about God's nature and how he sees me? If we would have the courage to do that, guys, all sorts of things will come up. All sorts of different beliefs will come up. And when that happens, don't run from them. Give the Holy Spirit permission to start breathing his life. You are a spirit being. You're a spirit man. Begin speaking to your soul. 
Begin addressing it. Begin telling it to conform. David did this all the time. The Psalms are an amazing example. David understood he was a spirit being, and he constantly spoke to his soul. He told his soul what it's going to think. He would vent his fear. His soul would vent what it was anguishing about, and then his spirit man would then speak to his soul and say, okay, soul, you've gotten a chance to, to, to get out some things that are bothering you. Now it's time to clean up your act. Now it's time to yield to me, me being spirit man, living in union with the Holy Spirit. And read the Psalms. That's what David did again and again and again. That Psalms is the most wonderful blueprint of how to practice that. Begin asking God to show you what you really think about yourself, how you think he sees you. And is that in line with the good news? Is it in line with the entire redemptive plan? How does it fit in on peace on earth, goodwill toward a sin-filled world? The Bible is progressive revelation. Progressive, we're moving, we're not in the law. The law was only given for a short period of man's history. The law was given, it was added, the Bible says, to prove to man you can't earn salvation. Guys, that's the purpose of the law, the scriptures say. The purpose of the law wasn't to live under the law. The patriarchs didn't have the law. Adam, after the garden, after he fell, didn't have the law. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they didn't have the law. The law was given to remind man he is in need of a redeemer. The law was fulfilled. Why is it fulfilled? Because the Redeemer came. The God of peace came. Now, we, are, we have the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit is on the earth, bearing witness of the gospel so that we would testify of God's goodness, testify that man needs it. We don't need the law because we are the living law of love. And we as living witnesses testify of the goodness. But we can only do it, guys, to the degree that we are allowing it to flow from our spirit, man, out of our soul, into our, our body, a body that moves, that lays hands on the sick, that speaks the truth, that listens to what people are saying, to have compassion, that declares the kingdom of God when we pray over people. That's how it is meant to operate. Spirit, man, flows out through our thoughts and our beliefs, our soul, and our physical body carries out the physical needs and demands that are taking place in the physical realm. Without a body, I couldn't lay hands on the sick and heal them. Without the mouth, the body, I couldn't proclaim and bear witness of the good news that came, the gospel. Closing this up, guys, shame, fear, insecurity, control, anxiety, depression, anger, unforgiveness, the desire to punish, reluctance to show unconditional love, all these feelings, decisions, and emotions, they stem from a soul that is disagreeing with the nature and heart of a heavenly dad. These thoughts are poison. They rob us of our communion and intimacy, and they prevent us from connecting with the Holy Spirit in his kingdom that we have access to 24-7 because our spirit man is in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. Our soul is the gatekeeper. If we don't have a revelation of his love over us, his goodness, we can't have peace. We can't have peace. We can't share the good news, the gospel. We can't be witnesses of his goodness. Say, what are we being witnesses of? We're meant to be witnesses of the nature of Jesus Christ. We're meant to be witnesses of his goodness. Not of our self-righteousness. Wherever we don't have peace, guys, wherever we don't have a revelation of love, we have to counterfeit it with something else. And one of the counterfeits is self-righteousness. One of the counterfeits is judgment, condemnation, punishment. And a lot of us in the body of Christ are walking around this now. What do we do? So we begin speaking on God's judgment. We begin speaking on fear and anxiety. Now our judgment's coming? Yeah. Are some judgments or some disciplines or some pruning upon the, the United States? Absolutely. I got news for you guys. <laughs> the United States has been under periods of heavy pruning and discipleship since when I was a kid. It goes through cycles. 
and you want to see the blueprint of that, read the book of Judges. You'll see a cycle of the hand of God being on someone leads them to repent. And the people turn away from that. They backslide. The hand of God comes upon a nation, leads them to repent. They cry out to the Lord. They get redeemed. They begin to backslide. And that cycle repeats and repeats. And the body of Christ has done the same thing. In the last 40 years, the body of Christ has stopped repenting. And that's the problem. We've broken the cycle. Instead of allowing the discipline to do what it finally did to the nation of Israel, that they would no longer serve other gods, instead of, it, instead of it purifying our hearts, we've just we've repented from certain things. We haven't repented in our thinking. We've repented in some of our conduct. We have to repent what we feel about ourselves in our heart. That God is good. God came to redeem the lost. God's proclamation from the spirit realm under the old covenant. When those angels declared we were under old covenant, peace on earth, goodwill toward a sin-infused world that needs a redeemer, good news, it's coming. And God gets all the glory for it. Guys, that's the great redemptive plan. We start to lose sight of that. we got to pull back from what we're studying, what we're listening to, and we need to realign our soul and get in alignment with the Holy Spirit living inside of our spirit man. We need to reconnect. What is peace? It's completeness in his nature. It's the perfect rest. The reason why we don't possess it is that we don't know the God of peace in our souls. We've got to get him to flow from out of our spirit man and out into our souls. How do we do that? How do we walk in it? We begin to tear down the thoughts that oppose his word about his love, his goodness, and his nature. Start by examining our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions. Start examining our actions. Are they contrary to the nature of God? Peace is a fruit. It is grown as we sow to the heart and mind of God. So, um... That's about it. I'm going to end with one last thing, one last thought, guys. We do not have the right. We don't have the right to turn away from the commission. Now, we have free will. You say, well, David, you just said you have free will. We have free will. Yeah, we do. We, we, have, we have the ability to come into alignment with God's heart, or we have the decision to reject God's heart. And to speak about things that are comforting to ourselves, such as World War Three, Russia, and Obama was the Antichrist. Remember that one? Remember that one, right? Obama was the Antichrist? That's coming and going, right? Because, guys, we, the time is over for the body of Christ to just try to shoehorn scriptures and prophecies into certain events taking place. We're not called to figure things out from the carnal realm here. We're called to connect with the heart and mind of God. When that happens, everything becomes simple. We begin moving in great peace. We begin moving in great rest, and we begin allowing the kingdom of God to flow out around us. And when that happens, not only is it blessing the Father's heart, but we're beginning to walk in true communion, which is why he died. He sent his son to redeem those that are steeped in sin, which every one of us was. Self-righteousness does not draw us to intimacy. It draws us to law. The lost are not drawn to law. They're drawn to the goodness of God. So please guard your hearts, guys. Guard your minds. Guard what you're watching, what you're listening to. Guard your thinking. And um, I would encourage all of us, spend more time in the Gospels. In the Gospels, Jesus always addressed the sin. He addressed the forgiveness of the Father through that. It's not a license to sin. When he caught the woman in adultery, he didn't say, go ahead, go back, I love you, God is love, I'm love, go ahead and keep sinning. He showed her love, and it was in the revelation of that unprecedented love towards someone who under the law had a, had, was supposed to be stoned to death. Jesus said, sin no more, because it's the goodness of God that compels us 
through the power of the Holy Spirit to not sin. If we reverse it, it's just dead law. And um, dead law is not going to bless the heart of the Father. He died for communion, not for law. And it's not going to win his loss. So that's, uh, that's the week, this week on the God of Peace and uh, how that ties into um, cataclysmic events that everyone's been talking about. And that Sunday will take place. I mean, Revelation is unfolding as we live and as we speak. And uh, that doesn't change one thing about the God of peace being in us and us moving in the love of God to be witnesses of his goodness. So, uh, Dorothy, uh, any uh, any questions or hand raised or any in the chat box or anything anyone wanted to ask? Uh, no, no questions. Um, okay. I think one of the you, problems Dorothy? that we as human beings have is we think of and this just helped me sort it all out in that we are spirit beings. We're given eternal life, but this body isn't going to live eternally. So if you can jump over that hurdle that it's not the body and you are not your body, yeah. that you are, you know, a spirit being, and that's where you need to yeah. do your living. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right, Dorothy. We, we, we've lost sight of that because um, we, we've systematically been fed in this generation things that focus on self and self-preservation. And uh, we all know the scriptures that say whoever gains his life will lose it and, and all that. And what Jesus is really just saying is let, let go. We're, we're citizens of heaven. Um, and, and if we would really dial in, and just spend time with the Lord and allow it, that communion in the spirit realm to renew our thinking, we would be more like Paul where he says to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know, there's a re- the reason why the martyrs were martyrs is they weren't afraid. And in Revelation it says that there's a, a body of believers that will be in the end time. In the Revelation, they did not love their lives to the point of death. Body of Christ is not there yet. We are not there yet. We are not loving the Lord to the point of not caring about death. We are just the opposite. We are scrimping and clawing and clinging to the latest YouTube video or audio or podcast, and we try to glean something about it. One thing that is a common theme, it doesn't give us any direction. Guys, if, you, if we hear a message and, the, and that message is not giving direction, pointing us to the throne of God, it's an incomplete message. It's an out-of-balance message. You hear anyone just sharing something that talks about a calamity or, or an upheaval or a sin or exposes something or, or darkness or intending something, and it doesn't give you clear direction as to what Father God wants to do, it's an incomplete word and it's out-of-balance. And a complete word isn't just saying, so pray, guys. That, that's just a bunch of baloney. Sorry, call a spade a spade. Yeah, the giant earthquake coming, so just pray. Eh, no, 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 no. It, no, no. If you read the, the God in the Bible, he gave real clear information. He shared his heart. He shared what that was designed to do. He shared what the major event that was coming was going to be doing. He shared his heart. Um, say ever be prepared. Okay, God, judgment is coming. Be prepared. What? Like, no, that's a cop out. That means we haven't accessed the heart of God on that event. We don't know what to say, so we just throw out a cliche. Be prepared. Pray, and we just we just throw a blanket of fear over the listeners. And there's no fear in love. And there's discipline in love because the scriptures say a father who hates his son will not discipline him. And in the same manner, God disciplines his son whom he loves. Discipline is love. Sorry, guys, it's not me. It's the word of God. So, so please, I beg you guys, consider in the Lord what's on his heart, what he has in this hour. How does this fit into the reconciliation of his lost children? What is it designed to do in our own heart? How does our own heart, our own thinking, where do we have to come into alignment 
in our soul to agree with God's word on something. Because if we don't have much peace or we have fear, we are walking outside the mind of Christ. We are contending with his word. And um, there's no judgment in that. There's no condemnation. He loves us. He gave us the word to know him. Jesus spent the three and a half years on the earth so that we can see the Father's heart revealed. So, anyway, Dorothy, excellent, um, excellent reiteration on that. That's great. Absolutely right. Just have to stop being afraid. And the answer to fear is getting to know the God of love and his goodness. And then we can, too, can join the ranks of those in the end times that love the Lord and do not love their lives to the point of shrinking back from death. Um, this life is a blink. And every second, no matter where we are, it's meant to be filled with joy and love and peace and all the other fruits of the Spirit. Those that are in prison right now are being tortured for the gospel all over the world. They figured this out already. The United States, the church here, we need to figure this out. We need to get it while there's time. Because every second, our Father's calling us to spend time with him because he loves us. It's not about works. It's not about earning his love. It's all garbage. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He can't earn his love, guys. It's a lie. He said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward men. Steeped in sin, the world was in darkness. Something to meditate on, guys. Anyway, thank you as always. And uh, Dorothy, I guess we'll sign out. We can try our newfangled extra music. And I will catch up with you during the week, I'm sure, Dorothy. I'm, I'm looking to have a, a guest on Next podcast, if it works out, for those of you that are tuning in, I'll, I'll be having um, a friend of mine uh, that uh, I'm hoping to have on from formerly of uh, John G. Lake Ministries, who will be speaking on uh, healing and how um, how we walk that out, how we heal, talking a little bit about the covenant right that we have to healing and uh, how that looks day to day in our walk. And he's got some amazing stories that uh, I'm really excited to talk to him and interview him a little bit on this week. So that should be in the next two weeks. We should, have, that we should be having a good time with that. So until then, guys, God bless you. I love all you guys. I love the body of Christ. More than you guys will know. But the only thing that really matters is, is to know that your, your Lord loves you. He loves you guys with all his heart. Anyway, Dorothy, thank you. And uh, have a wonderful night, and I will catch up with you soon. Thank you, David. Father bless. You too, Dorothy. Father bless all of Stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deeply. Mm-hmm.